Now, if we can throw up the scripture here, I want us to press into the word what he has for us this morning. I want us to kind of lean in with our spirits and engage. Are you ready? Okay. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen, 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 amen. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Oh, Father, so let it be. So let it be, Father, build us together, Father, that we would become a place of habitation for you, God. I pray, Father, that this morning, Father, specifically, that you give us vision as family. I ask, Father God, that you would just begin to breathe over this room, that your Holy Spirit would hover over this place, Father, and that a change would take place on the inside of us. Father, anywhere where we haven't engaged, where we haven't been a part of, where we've stood on the outside and watched, Father, where we have been spectators in our faith, God. I'm asking that that be challenged today. And I'm asking, Father, that every single person in this room would hear the invitation that you have for them today. Father, let everything that is of me fall to the ground and be forgotten. Everything that is of you stand and produce fruit, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. 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 I don't know that what I have to share with you this morning is is as much a a sermon or a teaching as it is a narrative. It's something that's kind of in my spirit that the Lord had shared with me and I want to share with you because I think it's important. I really believe it's important. So if you will bear with me as we go through this, I believe the Lord has somewhere to take us. Does anybody want to go somewhere with the Lord this morning? Does anybody just want to just press just a little bit deeper and move forward in Him? I feel like God is going, I want to challenge their perception of things for a few minutes. I want to engage them on a different level, and I'm going to do that through two stories, if I might. The first one the Lord brought to my mind, um, and I couldn't get it out of my spirit, and I wasn't really sure why it was staying in there, because it's about 10 or 11 years ago that it happened, but it was staying in my spirit, and then as he's worked out uh, for this Sunday, I understand why he did it. When Caitlin was about nine or ten years old, she um, she was she liked to push boundaries. I know none of you ever like to push boundaries. Uh, Katie likes to demolish boundaries. I mean, or pretend they don't exist. Anyway. But she liked to do that, and we were in a season in life where the Lord said, I want you to teach her about boundaries. And so I did that through effective parenting called I Grounded Her. And I told her, I said, you are not allowed to leave this yard, period. Do not leave this yard. And 
That's like cutting the wings off a butterfly. I mean, she is a sojourner at heart. She, she's got things to do and people to see. And my mom used to always say, Katie doesn't need friends. She wants an audience. It's just one of those things that she doesn't, especially at that age, she just wanted people around her all of the time. You know, witnesses or whatever. But um, when I told her she couldn't leave the yard, she was devastated. But this is my child, and so she will find a way around things. And I look out in the backyard a little later, and our backyard, our property line is bordered by a line of trees. And standing on that property line, basically toes to the edge, is Katie. And on the other side of the tree line are five or six little girls from the neighborhood. They're not violating the law. They're just not really respecting the spirit of the law. And so they said, and I can see they are planning something, you know, and I can see these animated faces and hands and they're pointing and they're doing this and that. And seriously, if, if there could have been time back then, I'm sure they would have all had free Katie t-shirts printed up. But I know they're planning something and technically she's not broken the rule yet. And so I'm just... I stand back and I watch, and in a few minutes, I look out the window, and here come that other group of girls on that other side of that invisible barrier, dragging a white picnic table. And they have drugged this thing across the yard, over to the boundary line, and have shoved half of it onto her side, and have left the other part on their side. I'm like, that is so smart. Anyway... (laughs) So, but they were respectful of that invisible line. And, and I said, um, in, in just a few minutes, I yelled out the back. I said, Katie, what are you doing? She said, we're making a place where we can meet together. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I look out a little bit later and the kids on the other side have gone and they've gotten shovels and rakes and uh, all of these this little plants and, and things. And, and I'm like, Katie, what are they doing? It's dead out here. We need to plant some seeds so something beautiful can grow here. Look, okay, all right, all right, I get it. And so they have these buckets. They go to their house, they get buckets and they get water and they have dishwashing liquid on that side, and I look, and they are scrubbing, they are scrubbing that table. They've got that table as wide and pristine and cleaned up as it can be every spot. And then, in the spirit of not violating what she couldn't violate, I see them push the bucket across to Katie's side. Never hands, never really violating, just the bucket. And so they sat down on their side because they had finished their labor, and she began her portion on her side of the line. And she began to scrub, and they waited, and they encouraged her. It's okay, get right there. (laughs) Get right there. You missed the spot. You know, they're encouraging her from their side. Now, don't you know that there are times when you have work to do on your side of the line, you really want to be on the other side, you really want to engage in that level, but you've got work to do on your side, right? So she's scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and finally she gets it done and they all sit down at the table for a little bit, still respecting the boundary lines. In just a few minutes, she comes around to the front porch and she says, Mama, 
I'm going to need that white bench right there. And I said, why? And she said, because what if more people come? They've got to have somewhere to see it. I'm like, okay. So she drags the bench around to the back. And then she comes back and she says, I'm going to need that bird feeder right there. <laughs> and I said, why? And she said, the birds are hungry. I'm like, okay. What do, what do hungry birds look like? That's what I want to know. Um, so she drags that back there. And the next thing I know, she's gathering up every rock and every stone she can find. And I'm looking in the back, and they're all gathering rocks from their family's yard. And I'm thinking, I'm so glad they're putting those in the neighbor's yard and not mine. And uh, No, but they're building something. I'm like, Katie, now what are you doing? And she said, Mama. We have to build a path so that others can find their way to the table. Finish me now, Jesus. And so I'm just going, oh, God. See, they had a vision for something that nobody could see but them. They had an idea of what something barren could become. They had something in their hearts, and they didn't just have it in their hearts. They began to do something about what they saw. They began to bring it to pass, and they began to pull it together. And I can just tell you, by the end of the evening when the sun started setting, I had put their Kool-Aid in their cook. I had violated the barrier, and... Because I was just so undone in my spirit because of what God was showing me through what these little guys were doing. See, to my eyes, in my eyes, they were sitting at a dirty plastic picnic table in a pile of dust and dirt with a haphazard bird finger hanging halfway in a tree with a white bench and a bunch of rocks around it. But to them, they were feasting at a table and they were feeding the birds and they were growing a flower garden and there was a pristine path for anybody to walk up and be a part of them if they wanted to. See, it's all in your perception. It's all in how you want to look at something. You can see the picnic table and the haphazard bird feeder or you can see a place where we can dwell together, where we can talk, where we can converse, where we can treat each other like family. Amen? And see, to me, that's what this passage of Scripture is talking about. That passage of Scripture says that he destroyed, that he tore down the wall between us. And see, that passage of Scripture is referring to Jews and Gentiles. But see, God does something so much richer than that. He doesn't just take down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. He takes down the wall between black and white and tall and short and rich and poor and gay and straight. Because the love of God, there is no barrier to that. Understand that. There is no barrier to the love of God. And these walls that we erect between ourselves, these walls that we put but to, to keep other people out and, and to keep ourselves in and separate, that's not God. We were not designed to be strangers and aliens, not with God and not with one another. That's not his intention. God made a way. He took the walls down. The blood of Christ Jesus transcends these walls and these barriers. 
This is particularly interesting to me. This passage of scripture when it says you are no longer strangers and aliens. The the words that are used there when he's talking about strangers. It's someone who is who prohibits familiarity. You know, sometimes when we operate as a feel like a stranger, we blame everyone else for making us feel like a stranger. When sometimes there's a part of us that keeps ourselves back. There's a part of us that that puts off this little message that goes, don't get too close. Do you ever feel that way? Maybe it's just me, God, me and you, Jesus. I got you, Grandpa. Because this aliens and strangers. See, that one always kind of got to me because I have four sisters and there's something about this passage of scripture. My sisters, their names, one of them means angel, my love. One of them means darling girl. One means harvester of wine. I I like that one. And one means, and the other one means warm, strong song. Mine means strange moon goddess. I kind of feel like I embody that. I don't know about you. And then my dad, my, my maiden name is Kirkendall. So if you take that and link it to my name, it means strange moon goddess that dwells near the church. How appropriate is that? <laughs> it should have said that never leaves the church, but I digress. And so this thing, my sisters used to love to tease me because my mom's name was Stranger and my name was Stranger because I was named after my mom. And they loved to play that card with me. Mine means angel, my love. I don't care what your name means. Mom loves me more. I know she does. But uh, oh, I'm letting you see a little too deep now, aren't I? Um, but so I loved this passage of scripture that said, I'm not a stranger. And then it says, I'm not an alien. See, an alien here is peroikos, and it is somebody who stands nearby. It's someone who becomes a part or maybe goes to a land, but never takes the position, never takes on the role of citizen in that land. They are onlookers and bystanders. And sometimes in the body of Christ... We become aliens in the fact that we are bystanders and we are onlookers when we should be participating in what God has and all that he's called us to. And sometimes that's hard, but that's the calling and God has made a way for you to do that. I love that. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens. See, if you are an alien, if you haven't taken the role of citizen in this kingdom that you have become a part of, and let me tell you something, you're not a part of the kingdom because you have been good or you have been perfect or you deserve to be. It is because we have the same father. It is because, as Pastor Ronnie said back a while ago, he said, you don't get to pick the family you're born into, but you sure have a choice about the one that you spend your time with. You know, We are family. We are family. And I don't mean in the brother Kevin sense. (laughs) Let's all start calling him that. (laughs) Brother Kevin. Anyway, whatever. I just, I think it fits. But this, this thing that God has for us, this relationship that God has for us with each other and with him. Don't you ever get tired of feeling like the outsider? Don't you ever feel like, 
Don't you ever just get really tired of feeling like everybody else went to the party but you? You see pictures on Facebook and you're like, I know every one of those people and none of them told me they were getting together tonight. It doesn't matter because you wouldn't have gone anyway. I'll point that at me because I am notorious. Not about the envying on Facebook part. I could, anyway. But I'm bad about that because, see, we have these walls. See, when he talks about taking walls down, we have walls that we put up between each other because it's easier for us to not have to deal with people sometimes. Any of you do that? Don't make me point. <laughs> Sometimes it's so difficult. And so we put our walls up and we go and we, we, we do the things we need to do and then we sneak out the side door. And again, I'm notorious for that because sometimes we don't invest what we need to invest in the family of God. Let's just be real about it. Let's just be honest about it for a minute. You don't engage because it's easier not to. We think somehow that if we can separate ourselves, we can enjoy the good stuff and not have to deal with any of the bad stuff. And so we disengage. And we think that that's okay. And we think that it's good and, and it's all right and it's appropriate. But it's not. Because God is about relationship. God is about fellowship. It is that from the very beginning He wanted to be with us. And He wanted us to be together with Him in the midst of us. Amen? So we shut these things down. We shut down relationships or we don't participate in this or we don't get involved with that because we think it's easier. But what's really happening is we've come to the place in our walk with him or our walk with each other where we decide it costs us more to be with the people than it does to be without the people. And we choose to be without. We'll just stay in our little corner. But see, Scripture, David said, I will not offer God that which costs me nothing. I will not offer him that which costs me nothing. And can I tell you that loving people will cost you. Loving people hurts if you really love them. Now, if you don't really care that much, they, whatever happens, you can like brush it off and go, I'll pray for you, brother, sister. But when you love somebody, it hurts. You hurt when they hurt. And you rejoice when they rejoice. That's the engagement of the Spirit of God. And I believe that that's what God has for us. About 10 years ago, the Lord gave me this vision. And I was standing out here maybe... Yeah, about 10 years ago, I was standing out here on the, at the road and I could see this building. And as I was standing there, the wall, the, the right hand wall just went down flat. It didn't crumble. It just laid flat as if someone had laid it down. Then the left hand wall went down and it laid flat. And then the one in the back just flat. And then the one in the front just went down. And the, the beam still stood. And the church was in the middle of worship. And they did not skip a beat. They did not skip a beat. They just continued to worship. And the community began to be drawn. And they began to come. And, and I heard the Lord say in my spirit, you will become a church without walls. Oh God, that we would be that. Oh God, that we would be that. That we would love your people enough. That we would love humanity enough to become a church without walls. But in order to become a church without walls, we have to first become people without walls. 
We have to learn to love. We have to learn to accept. We have to learn to welcome because God has a plan in that. God is trying to bring us together into a place that I don't know that we've touched yet. I don't know that I have. But I know that his desire from the beginning, just like this scripture says, it says that the apostles and the prophets were the foundations. We have apostles and prophets that are the foundation that we stand here today because they fought where they were. We stand because they sent that message forward. The apostles and the prophets, they are not separate from you. They are just on the other side of the border. They're not separate from you. And then this Jesus being the cornerstone that ties everything together. It is Christ who brings us together. It is Christ Jesus. We have that in common. We might not have one other thing in common. But we have the most important thing in common. We have the same Father. We have the same Father. Yet we walk by our brothers and our sisters as if we don't see them. Hmm. This is what the Lord had placed in my heart. God is calling us together. Now let me, I I know that I know, I know somebody's going to leave today and going to go, they must be having problems with strife in that church because she sure was teaching on unity. No. No, I've never been in a church that walked in as much unity as this church walks in. But you know what? There's more. In God, there is always more. You never in God never get to, until you cross that barrier, up until that point, you never reach a point in your life where you're like, done. No, you are done when they stand over you and go, oh, doesn't she look pretty? that's when you're done that's when you're done until then you have a job to do you have a job to do and it starts with love it starts with engagement it starts with opening your heart big enough and becoming a part of what God's doing and so that's what I want to share with you today I want to share with you what I see in my spirit in the hopes that like Katie and those little girls that you can see something that perhaps you haven't seen before and what you see may it become a vision in your spirit and once it becomes a vision in your spirit that you would begin to do all within you to see that vision come to pass we are people of vision and this is what the Lord has been showing me for weeks maybe months now and I cannot get it out of my spirit so if you will just go with me here for a moment this table what I see in my spirit and have for so long is this table and this table extends back through the ages it, in, inside me it looks like this old farmhouse table just planks and wood and benches and chairs and it stretches all the way back into the days of our ancestors into the days of apostles and prophets those that are our foundations it reaches back there and I look and I see in my spirit and in my spirit I can see Abraham sitting and talking to Moses and I can, I can see them one with their, their head on the, 
at his hand and, and the other, and they're, they're talking with hand gestures. And, and he's like, Abraham's like, Moses, yeah, I, I know. I know the water split, but, but brother, you didn't do that. God did that, you know? And, and Moses said, and then, and then I came down off the mountain and there's this golden calf. You got to be kidding me. And then over to the right of them, having their own conversation, there's uh, Isaac and Jacob or Israel. Isaac still called him Jacob because that was the name he gave him anyway. But he's like, really? Goat fur? How blind was I? You put goat fur on, and I thought that was my son's arm. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. And then you look over, and then there's um, Miriam and Aaron. And Miriam's going, one minute you're dancing, the next you got leprosy. And, uh, <laughs> and then you move up just a little bit, and there's Joshua and Caleb. And in front of them are these grapes that are the size of a man's hand. And Caleb just takes a bite and, and the juice runs down his chin. And Joshua's like, really, man, still? You know, it's like hand him a napkin. And, and I'm thinking they're all at this table and they're laughing and they're conversing and they're talking about, well, God did this and then God did this. And then, and then there's Ruth. And Ruth is looking over and going, Naomi, <laughs> you remember I was going to go out and I was going to glean that field. And you said, girl, you're not going to wear that. Boaz is going to be out there. And she's like, so I put on that other outfit, and boy, did Boaz notice me. And, uh, okay, maybe your Naomi doesn't talk like that, but my Naomi talks like that. And so they're talking and they're fellowshipping, and, and Joshua's like, yeah, man, seventh time around, the walls went boom. And uh, they're testifying and they're talking, and then there's Ruth, and then there's Esther. Esther says, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't have any idea if I would come out of there alive. But I knew in my spirit that I had to go in. Oh, that we could have that spirit. We don't know what's on the other side of that, but to have the strength to do what God has called you to do when you don't know the outcome of it. That is your ancestry. That is your lineage. And then there's Noah in there. He's found his place at the seat. And I, I can't help it, but when I think about Noah, I see chicken feathers in his hair. It's just, it's one of those hazards of the job, one of those things. And, and then there's Elijah and Elisha, and they're all at this table. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? And Elijah looks at Elisha and goes, Really, Elisha? They throw your dead body in a grave and they come alive. That's a little dramatic, isn't it, brother? And Elisha looks at him and says, Really? I believe someone at this table got taken away in a chariot of fire. And he says, And you threw the cloak down like... <laughs> that table... These people of God. David's like, yeah, I did. I danced like that. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and then what I see in my spirit is as if at one time it goes silent for a moment on that end. And they move their gaze. All of them looking up to this next portion of the table. And at this portion of the table, what I see is there's this man sitting at the end of the table. And he has his head in his hands. And at his feet. 
at his feet. The Son of God is washing his feet. And the rumble from this side of the table is, it's almost time. It's almost time. And the Son of Man stands. And in just a moment, you see another man get up from that table and leave to go and do that thing. To betray the Son of God. And he loses his place at that table. And then you flash forward just a little bit. Just flash forward just a little bit and you see the disciples, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, Bartholomew, Judas has left. And then there's James and John. And they're going, I can't believe, I can't believe that he's gone. I can't believe that he's gone. And then you flash forward just a couple of, a few hours, a couple of days, and you see Mary come running in and she slams her hands down on the table and she said, he is risen. He's no longer in there. And you see all of the chairs at the table begin to scatter as they kick them back. And those disciples get up and they run from that table to go and see that this one that they loved, he has risen. He has risen. And then in just a little bit, you see two other men sitting at that table and they're talking and they say, did our hearts not burn within us? Did our hearts not burn within us as we walked with him and talked with him? They're sitting at that table and then in just a moment, the disciples, some of them are back and they say, but, but the angel said this, that he would return in the same way that he left. So, so we're going to watch for him to return in the same way that he left. And you hear Jesus say, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send you someone. And he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends this Holy Spirit. And I feel in my spirit, just as this section of the table looked at this section and turned in unison, I feel like this section of the table has turned in unison to look at this table and go, now what will you do? You have a seat at this table. You have a seat. This is your lineage. This is your family. This is the foundation that God has, has laid for you. Will you take your seat at that table? Will you take your place at that table? Will you stop being a spectator in your faith? And become a participant. When I, when I sit at that table, I don't want to listen to their stories alone. I want to be able to have stories that I can tell. Yes, yeah, I, I, I laid hands on that one and they, they got better. They got, they got better. You know what? I have stories. God has been so faithful to me. And you have stories of God's faithfulness in your life, but you're not sharing them with anybody. You're not telling anybody. You stand on the outside and God's going, would you just stop feeling like an outsider and a stranger in your own house and take your seat at the table? Miraculous things. Guys, all of this wonderful stuff that happened at these tables and the Holy Spirit hadn't even come yet. The Holy Spirit 
hadn't even been released. See right here, one portion of the table that we missed was when they were sitting there going, I don't know how many do you think we can get in the upper room? I think we can get pretty, quite a few up there in the upper room and let's wait for whatever it is that he has for us. And we move into this portion of the table where are the miracles? Where are the stories of God? Where all of us engaged in a journey that God has for us. Need to grab a couple of musicians if I would. Jeremy, would you and a couple of guys take some of the front chairs here and, and put them around the table for me? Would you mind? I just want you to put some chairs around this table. You have to lift them up and separate them. See, because this is what, pull them out a little bit so people can sit in them. This, the invitation this morning that I believe the Lord would have me give to you is that you are family. You are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters and we are, are one and we have this legacy. We have this inheritance. All of these around the table, all that has gone before leads us to now. Leads us to now. Leads us to the potential that God has for you if you will just join in. And see, this isn't necessarily about salvation, although it could be. Because see, you can be a, a, a family member and never sit down at the table and share a meal. You can be a part of the family and not act like part of the family. Or you can stand on the outside. Has anybody in this room ever felt like you were standing on the outside looking in at everybody else enjoying life? See, that's not God's plan for you. Because of the price he paid, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. You are no longer exiles. You are no longer outsiders or bystanders. You are family. And as the family of God, we need to take our seat at the table. And see, part of citizenship is that once you become a citizen, you get to enjoy the privileges and the protection of the one who is sovereign in that land. Isn't that wonderful? And see, if you will begin to walk in citizenship, God says that we are citizens. And when you take on that role, you begin to walk under the provision and the protection of this king in this kingdom. Don't you want to go there? Don't you want to go there? So that's the invitation this morning. I know I'm messing you guys up. If you have ever... We just play the guitar for just, just, just for a second. Just something soft for a second because we'll transition if you have ever felt like an outsider or an alien if you felt like you have been watching everybody else get closer to God you've been watching everybody else have friends you've been watching everybody else engage and you've not been able to get there will you come and take a seat at the table will you be bold enough and will you be brave enough to come and take a seat at the table. I should be down there. I have felt it so many times. 
And if you need another chair, grab a chair and bring it with you, guys. Because let me tell you something. Every single one of you, every single one of you, God loves you. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has stories for you to tell, to write. And this is what I want for the rest of you guys. We're going to just bless him for a minute. But I want those of you who don't feel like that, those of you who feel engaged, who feel like you've been a part of the family, I want you to come and stand around them. And I want you to welcome them by praying for them. I want you to put your hands on their shoulders. And I want you to engage them. And if you haven't found your seat yet and you need one, I want you to take one. And I'm going to pray for you. Because you are family. Use this one right here in the blue shirt. God has a calling on your life. And you've run from Him at times in your life. But God has a calling for you. A strong one. He has an anointing. There's something that maybe He even spoke over you when you were a child. But God's not finished with you. God has something more than you've even seen in Him. So He needs to to be surrounded. I'm going to pray for them. And those of you who didn't come, extend your hands. Jesus. Oh, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who reconciles us, Father. I thank you that you are the one who takes down the walls. And for every single one, God, who got up and was strong enough to walk forward and go and say, I have felt like this. God, I'm asking for a release in the name of Jesus. I'm asking, Father, that you set them free, Father. I pray, Father, that they would feel welcome, that they would feel invited, that they would feel engaged. And, Father, instead of feeling like they were on the outside, and let me tell you something, you don't have to be good to sit at this table. You don't have to be perfect to sit at this table, and you don't have to have done everything right. The invitation is from your Father. My kids sit at my table not because they're good, but because they're mine. And the place at his table is because you are his. So, Father, we just speak life and love and hope and laughter. Father, they need fellowship. So, Father, teach us how to to bring that into the, to invite them in in fellowship. And, Father, every lie that the enemy's ever told them that said that they would be apart, that they would be separate, that they would never belong because of this or because of that, Father, we break it in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm asking for freedom. Father, I'm asking, Father, that they would see the beauty in who they are, God, who you called them to be. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, breathe over them the breath of life. The breath of life. Oh, God. Oh, God, Jesus. Now, guys, everybody at the table, if you can just glance up here for just a second. When you come to the table, engage on a different level never when you come into the house never feel like you don't stand on the outside don't stand on the edge I don't care how uncomfortable it is I don't care how much the enemy says oh no you can't do that you get up and you go and sit with people and you go and talk with people and if there's something happening that you can be a part of be a part of it begin to engage like family 
Don't let the enemy, when you leave here today, push you back into that corner that goes, oh, 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 that was just a moment. No, this can change your life. This can change your life. And the responsibility to all of you standing around the table is I want you to see their faces. I want you to, every one of you, get at least two of these people in your mind right now. And the next time you see them, don't walk past them. Engage them. Sit with them. That was not easy to get up and come down here because we, none of us want to go, oh, I'm vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. And we have all been there. So I applaud your bravery. And I'm trusting that this is a prophetic act of obedience that will break chains in your life that the enemy has held you by for a long time. You are no longer a stranger and an alien. You are family. Can you just say that with me? I'm no longer a stranger. I'm no longer an alien. I am part of the family of God. You are part of the family of God. You are part of the family of God. Embrace that as you embrace each other. And now this table is probably going to get in the way because that is one of the bravest things I have ever seen anybody do. Get up and go do that. So if we're going to be brave. Jesus, go Steve.